how long how long did it take me to book this with you john how long did it take i should we uh it wasn't that long it took a very very long time because i wasn't sure if i wanted to do it and you know what i did Mm. i kept snoozing your email to the next day for Mm. probably a month that's okay it was no no no. it's not you it's (laughs) me i'm the one who's broken inside welcome to pragmatic Pragmatic is a discussion show contemplating the practical application of technology. By exploring the real-world trade-offs, we look at how great ideas are transformed into products and services that can change our lives. Nothing is as simple as it seems. Pragmatic is supported by you, our listeners, and if you'd like to support the show, you can do so via Patreon for early release, high-quality, ad-free episodes. Visit engineer.network slash pragmatic to learn how you can help. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by ManyTrix, makers of helpful apps for the Mac. Visit manytricks.com slash pragmatic for more information about their amazingly useful apps. We'll talk more about them during the show. I'm your host, John Chigi, and today I'm joined by Merlin Mann. How you doing, Merlin? I'm doing great, John. So nice to be here. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, I've just always figured that I'd, I'll, I'll do a show. Uh, I'll do the procrastination episode tomorrow. Um, or when I get the perfect guest. Uh, so, And I think I may have finally found the perfect guest to help me with this one. So thank you for coming on for this. Um, I I guess just, just to kick it off, I sort of, the older that I've gotten, and gotten's not really a good word, but still the busier I've become, uh, the less that I can keep my head in, in sort of in one moment. And so when I start losing track, I start to write things down a list, which is I think perfectly natural and helpful and healthy probably and and new things come up then you add them to that list you cross off a few and i always seem to be adding more than i get done and so my list kind of keeps growing and growing and growing and growing and eventually sometimes you hit list bankruptcy and just throw it away and sometimes that's your excuse to change to-do list tools and just say that that's perfectly fine but i've come to think about why the list keeps growing and 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 in my particular case a lot of it i think there's a recurring theme of procrastinating and and it's something that i find is very very insidious and i struggle with it is that something that you've come across and uh no not at all never okay uh ne- never a problem yes yes of course <laughs> it's the worst i do it i've always done it i uh i have uh, finally i don't know 10 years ago got diagnosed with adhd uh, and for me, that's it's mostly the A for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a I have a brand of ADHD that's a very garden variety, boring version of ADHD. It's not the famous kind of eighties and nineties kid ADHD where you run in circles and hit things with a stick. It's the kind where I have uh, I can finally realize that I have had historically difficulty focusing my attention where I would like. Um, this is, before we even get to can I focus my attention on the good things I would like to do, I have to get to the point of uh, acknowledging that because of my pipes and wires, at least in part, and then the behavior that spun out of that over the years, the habits I've built, there are certain kinds of things where it's difficult, it's improbably difficult for me to get certain tasks done, even if they are to any neurotypical person an easy task. So I'm, you know, that's the, the reason that I've become a teacher is that I'm still a student and I do struggle with that. And I would love to talk to you about that and all the ways you end up 
putting yourself in that condition. Why is that list getting bigger? Are you picking the best stuff? Are you, is anything allowed on that list that you think you're not going to do? We've got a lot of angles we can work from, uh, but it's a real thorny problem and we'll take it anywhere you want to go. Okay. So um, basically, I thought I, I start off with a definition because I like, um, I like to start off with definitions, I guess, is, but I uh, so digging around about different definitions for what um, procrastination is. And um, the one I like the most, because there are multiple, I suppose, is to put off intentionally the doing of something that should be done kind of generic but um what i think is i guess that procrastination you know doesn't have to mean um i'm sitting on the couch not folding the washing washing needs to be done the couch doesn't need to be sat on probably um but it could be something like straightening the pictures on the wall not folding the washing which could mean that straightening the pictures on the wall was an item on your to-do list but it wasn't as high a priority as doing ahead of folding the washing so if you had like a, fa- a little fa- fantasy scenario, um, it, and what I didn't mention in that scenario, I suppose, is that, that you got some people coming around to your house at five o'clock for dinner. Uh, let's say that you know, some people still do that. Um, there's uh, five laundry baskets waiting to be folded in the way, making a mess, going to be very embarrassing. So I've had to choose a to-do list item to do first. It'd be do the washing first and then pictures second because you know they probably won't care or notice if the picture's crooked unless they're really observant. Maybe some would notice. And that, and the thing that gets me is that that those are two items on my to do list, but that's still a form of procrastination mm-hmm. because I'm not doing them in the right order. Wow, yeah, that, there's a lot. There's a lot there. There's you've got three or four hours of content right there because there, there's I, I, so as far as defining what procrastination is, I I think it's something where maybe perhaps like uh, the Supreme Court and pornography, you know, it when you see it. Um, I have some quibbles with that definition because as somebody, that's what procrastination looks like to someone who doesn't procrastinate, in my opinion. For someone who does procrastinate, uh, it's, it's not about priority, uh, unfortunately. It's not about priority. It's not really about intention. It's an extremely irrational response to life. So the, the rational response to life is to figure out the things you need to do decide which things are most important and then do them. And that's extremely rational. And, and for, for a huge amount of things in life, I'm totally okay doing all of those. But for a person who procrastinates, it's much uglier than that. It's, I feel, and that is that regardless of how much you want to do the thing, regardless of how much you need to do the thing, right? The problem is that for whatever reason, you're still not moving closer to accomplishing that. And and why is that? Well, we, we'll get into that. There's a million reasons. But let's let's start, to me, let's start with my definition anyhow, would be something more along the lines of, despite your rationality, intelligence, best intentions, energy, enthusiasm, time, attention, all the big nouns, regardless of what you know you should be doing, for whatever reason, you're not getting closer to that thing. Now, I'll, I'll mention as a quick side note here, I, I think part of the problem I said before about you know building a habit over the years I think the fact that you haven't gotten killed yet, um, despite repeatedly not doing the thing, unintentionally builds that terrible habit, right? And, if, and I, can, I can, for somebody with ADHD, I can peg that right to dopamine. Sometimes it takes a real scary event to get me to fold the laundry, let alone straighten the photos, right? Sometimes, for, at least for people with ADHD, it's not everybody, it takes a little, whoa, moment mm to make you go take care of the thing. 
because you just have not reached the level of what you need to accomplish this thing that for whatever reason, mentally, emotionally, maybe physically, you can't get there. So, so there's so many ways that we can talk about how this happens. And then I hope we'll get to some of the ways that you can address it. But as with so many of these things, whether it's social anxiety, um, whether it's just garden variety anxiety, there's so many things that are misunderstood by the folks who don't have it. And it's it's not that they're not being sympathetic, empathetic. They're 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 trying to understand it, but it's it's especially difficult to understand a problem that you don't have if you're not motivated to really understand it. So you know, I think I think social anxiety is something where it's become more okay to talk about that. Like some people, it's just extremely difficult to deal with other people. A friend of the show, John Syracuse, he does not like talking to strangers. He would prefer not to. And uh, how do you get that way? I don't know. But I, I'm glad it's becoming more okay to talk about this stuff. Um, and when we get back to anxiety or to um, procrastination here, we do have to talk about all the, all the barriers real or imagined or suspected that keep us from doing that thing. And that can include things like anxiety. That can include, uh, it can just be, it can be pipes and wires. But why, why do we not do it? I'm not sure why we don't do it exactly because it can vary so much. But I do know there is a way in to get better at it. But it starts with being honest about where we are to begin with, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you don't want to go to a doctor who starts giving you medicine for the wrong thing. So, all right. Um, wow. Okay. So, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, could, we, could, we could even get straight to the tips and tricks. But I, I, you know me, like you, you, you're going to get a really nice dessert. But first, you have to eat your, eat your vegetables. And the, the eating your vegetables part of this, as I, I hope we can talk about and mm. learn more about your your situation, mm. is is that we have to first start, let's just go step zero, as you like to say, mm-hmm. um, is that this is not rational. And we need to understand and accept that it's not rational. A rational person knows what to do and does it. A person who is less rational knows that they need to do it and, and still don't do it. And why is that? You know, that's I feel like that's a really interesting Jumping off point. So, a couple things um, uh, about having the vegetable sauce and everything. So, um, peas and corn, yes. Potato, yes. Beyond that, I struggle, especially with broccoli. Um, oh. But yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. But anyhow. Do um, you like Brussels sprouts? Have you ever roasted Brussels sprouts? No, I don't think I actually have roasted them. No, but um, I hear See, that's that- the thing. A lot of people cook Brussels sprouts wrong. Mm. Their first Brussels sprouts exposure was to terrible boiled overcooked Brussels sprouts yep. and it's just basically sad cabbage. Mm-hmm. If you roast it, you know, with some uh, sea salt and a little bit of balsamic vinegar, mm. it can be really quite delicious just for what it's worth. Okay. I'm going to note that down and uh, I'll get back to that at some point <laughs> in my future, I, I, I promise. Um, okay. So so, this, so there's that. One of the things that you said that really just struck a chord with me is this, uh, the, the idea of like a, a threshold, a consequential threshold. That is to say, if I don't, um, so I'm just paraphrasing, but uh, the idea is you have a to-do list item, you know you need to do it, but you're procrastinating about doing it, and the consequences of not doing it have not escalated to a, beyond a threshold whereby you can break through that um, that procrastination barrier, or how, mm-hmm. for the want of a better way of putting it. And yeah, I guess my my observation has been is that um, sometimes, I mean, it's it's a great way of thinking about it because the consequence threshold of a lot of these tasks that we know we should be doing, in some cases, it doesn't increase with time. As time passes, it's like, uh, well, I still haven't 
you know, painted the walls. Okay, fine. Well, I could probably wait another year before I deal with it. Whereas I've got people coming over at five o'clock. So that's a real deadline that's actually going to have yes. real consequences. And hence the threshold will escalate the closer I get to that to that point in time, which is an interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, let's 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 stick with your party for now because I think that's a nice, pretty neutral example that that will suit us ni- nicely. We'll talk about whatever you want, but let's talk about your party. Um, straightening the, the the pictures on the wall, mm, you know, that's the I, I get I get that you're, you're you're citing like a minor example. That's an extremely minor example. Let's make it slight. Let's raise the stakes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's say, as you say, it's they're coming over at five for what? They're coming over for a dinner party. Um, have you done the dishes, right? Mm. Are the pots clean? Mm. Did you go to the store to get the food that you need? Let's take it maybe a thousand times further. And let's say you're somebody who um, has a disorder that a lot of people call hoarding. Can people get into the house? Is there a path? You committed to this a long time ago, but you got what piles of newspaper and Amazon boxes. When are you going to deal with those Amazon boxes? I don't know. I, it's just, uh, I don't know where they're going to go. Uh, uh, uh. Right. So that to me, that is stakes that even though you can understand there's extremely low stakes to the crooked photo and there's extremely, there's higher stakes to not having any food or a kitchen you can, in which you can prepare it. But that's, those stakes can go all the way up to, like I say, like, is, is my house in a condition where I'm okay with people coming in? And there may be something, believe it or not, listener, this is not you, but there's somebody out there, believe it or not, who's not going to achieve that threshold motivation until maybe a few minutes before the doorbell rings, which is not, it's not rational, but it happens. It happens. And so, you know, that I think your, your example will suit us just fine. Like, how do you, how do you get to where you can achieve whatever threshold motivation you need um, to get that stuff accomplished with, without needing to panic. Absolutely. All right. So, um, it, when it comes down to a, a lot of this, so we, we, we talk about the consequences of not acting on these on these items and some of that's therefore will drive the prioritization. So, and I guess to some extent, um, you know, the whole getting things done, GDD, David Allen sort of suggestion about, you know, processing to-do list items and so on and so forth and, and, and setting some of those priorities. Um, I suppose when you do set those priorities based on the relative consequences and you stack everything in a list, it's, it seems so thoughtful and well thought through, so obvious and so clear at the time that you do it. Um, but what I've observed is that, that sometimes the time changes the priority of those items depending upon what they are and and maybe that's because of the consequence threshold changing as time moves time moves forward closer to the event you're preparing for and uh-huh. and I think that where procrastination kills me where it where it really does drag me down is that I look back at um, things like interruptions, which we could, we'll get to, uh, and things that spontaneously make you reevaluate those priorities, and you don't do it as thoroughly, and you then feel this 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 little the, I'll just do this quick thing, and it's like, but this quick thing is a quick thing, but it's not an important prioritized quick thing, and that's then slowing me down from the bigger tasks that still need to be done, mm-hmm. and so I'm essentially sabotaging myself, and yet I'm still getting a dopamine rush from doing this one little thing and checking it off. Yeah, because it, partly because it's something you can understand. It's it's very it's it's doable, and again, for somebody who's afflicted as I am, uh, now it's not that you have no attention, or it's that you don't have much of a governor or a steering wheel for your intention, and so you've now you go do this deep dive. Maybe you're going to go update your homebrew. Like maybe you're going to play with your bash profile. But there's something that um, on the sort of uh, 
Mihai Mihail um, Chiksent Mihai Matrix is something that is very um, you have high skills but a small challenge, right? That the kinds of tasks where you're like, yeah, I can do this all day long. Meanwhile, you got this pile of flaming stuff over here that you're avoiding for some reason. That's rough. Yeah, it's interesting. And one of the other comments you mentioned too is like um, with the um, so I'm with the ADHD thing. It's like some people um, have have that that lack of governance, or there's less. How should we say? It? There's less governance for some reason. And it's just it is what it is, mm-hmm. and some people um, have have a better. Uh, I'm not trying to. It's it's hard to put it into words. It's like some people understand. You said said before. It's like it's hard to understand an an, an affliction of a certain kind if you don't yourself have it. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things I found frustrating when I was um, when I was before I was married before I had kids, and people would say, "Well, you know, if you don't have kids, you don't understand." And I'm like, "Well, like, but I can try to understand." And I, I always <laughs> felt like. What were you saying that I'm that I, I can't understand this until I have children? And the funny thing is that if you now fast forward to my present self and I think back to my past self, I think, wow, I really had no idea because I didn't have kids. <laughs> and, and they don't mean it in a bad way, but it's no, no. But look at look at a crying baby on a plane. Mm. So when I was when I was in my twenties, I would just I would want to l- let me speak to your manager. I paid to have a quiet flight. Why can't you go take care of your baby? Flash forward to now. And like I, I'm. I, it's all I can do not to say. Do you want me to walk the baby up and down the aisle mm. like a total creep? Because I've, I've been in, now. I've been in that situation. And whereas before I got it, now I really get it. Yeah. So yeah, I think that example works. One more thing in passing, just before, because I don't want to. I don't want to let this go by. Mm. Um, again, so this is this is to your point about uh, finding that motivation and how it's irrational. And you talked about prioritization. And um, one of the things I feel like I it took me a while to get my head around is that for certain folks, prioritizing can be extremely useful, especially for a neurotypical person. Like it's something where you can prioritize and say, well, this is giving me some clarity about what I need to do. Uh, if you struggle with, with stuff like procrastination, prioritization ends up very much not being your friend because prioritization starts with something. It, to me, it ought to start with something as simple as as I like to say, what is, what is the priority? Like you can't really have, you can have maybe two priorities, but when you get to the point where now you have six priorities and you have four different levels and you have color coding and you're bolding it, is that really even a priority anymore? It's closer to force ranking, maybe. Mm. But when, at the point, at, this is why I've always pushed back against applications that encourage endless levels of tagging and prioritization because all the time that you're tagging and prioritizing, guess what you're not doing? The thing that you think is important, yeah. right? That is, that is a huge honeypot for the distracted person. So the, that, one of the problems when we talk about prioritization is that for the person who has difficulty finding the typical motivation to get something done, get something accomplished, uh, it, I find it does not it does not help to over-prioritize and add all those tags. And in fact, the more I feel the need to taxonomize that, I've learned, the more I need to really examine why it's not already done. Uh, you can tell something, as I, again, like to say, you can tell it's a priority if it got done. And it got done well, right? Do you, do you follow? Yeah. And so and so, the, the trouble for the person who procrastinates is that a better use of your time at that point. If you're not going to do the task, let's stop for a second and let's look at what you've done here, right? So in, in a very getting things done sort of way, well, okay, how did you phrase this task, right? 
are there, so importantly, this is a huge piece of getting things done that just changed my world is if you're procrastinating about something, I think a, a good first question is, I, am I ever really going to do this? Mm. Is this a thing I'm going to do? Yeah. And if it is a thing, if it's not a thing you're going to do, why is it on the list? Get rid of it. Hard as it, difficult as that is, get rid of it. And if you are going to do it, let's talk about why it's not done. So there's, there's some reason that you will have resistance to doing that. This is classic David Allen. Um, I think one of the, one of the biggest things you need to look at is, does this task that I've set for myself have built in work that needs to be done before I can do this task? Right. Yeah. And again, straight out of getting things done. So often from a practical standpoint, one reason to-do lists don't work is folks tend to make lists of projects when they really should be figuring out tasks or as David Allen says, next actions. So is that, is that making sense? Like mm-hmm. when you look at that list and you have all that prioritization, you can taxonomize those things within an inch of their life, but they're still not going to get done. If, if you have something on there, the classic example from David Allen, if you have a thing that says call Merlin Mann and you haven't done it, why haven't you done it? Do you have Merlin Mann's phone number? Oh no, I need to get that. Do I have a way to ask him what his phone number is, right? So to me, that's from a practical standpoint, that's a super practical way to look at it is like, am I going to do this? And if I am going to do this, what is the resistance that has kept me from doing it? And that way you can slip into a more rational state of mind, but it does require being very honest with yourself uh, about your intentions, your actual priorities, and, uh, and the motivations that will cause you to do or not do a thing. Wow. Okay. Um, yes to all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I think that when you do settle on what priority or the priority, I think with my God, I'm trying to think of the right point to continue on here because there's so much in that. I, I feel like uh, you have to respect that decision. The, it's, it, you, you reached a conclusion based on I've, I've done all my pre-qualification or pre, pre-tasks in order to, to execute this task. I have decided that from a uh, that it's past the threshold of I actually need to do to act on this or the consequences will be too dire if I don't. And once you do that, you have to respect that and you have to say, well, a, a series of rational decisions and for, for knowledge of consequences have led me to this is now what I'm going to do. And no matter what happens right now, I have to then focus and just get it done and just like and push through it and execute on that priority because that is the priority at that moment. And I feel like procrastination is the is, is just it, it completely erodes that because essentially you 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 stop respecting I think the decision mm-hmm. you've made with the the agreement you made with yourself you're not you're not I mean you're also describing something that I think is fascinating which uh, forgive me if I'm not using this word in the correct way from a CS standpoint but modality. Mm where I feel like we do operate in different modalities. And, you know, obviously, again, in getting things done, a classic example is, well, you shouldn't have to think about your work all the time. You should mostly be doing your work. That, that's why you should set aside time to think about your work so you don't have to think about it. <laughs> you want to make, you treat yourself like an idiot and you crank widgets, right? I mean, but, but that's, when you talk about honoring that, I think that's, a, that's really interesting because when you say honor, you know, what you agreed to or what's a priority, well, first of all, so I almost feel like when we say priority, I almost want to say, like, can we try instead to say, what's the best thing I could do right now, right? Mm. Because priority is a, is a very nebulous idea, and people use it in so many different ways. 
especially honestly in uh, in the world of developers you hear you hear people talk about what are the prior what are apple's priorities what are these things well for yourself in the moment in any modality you can always ask yourself what's the best thing that i could do right now you could say what's the best use of my time but no i want to go further than that what's the best thing that i could do right now given where i am Given all of this, I, I get the big bucks for making these decisions in life, whether that's as a parent or a developer. What's the best thing that I could do right now? And then, okay, so, so further further here, um, when I talk about modalities, I, I, I mentioned this before, but uh, back in the days when Netflix was uh, a company that basically you, you sign up and it's a certain amount each month and you can have three DVDs at a time, mm-hmm. right? And it takes a day or two. We're pretty near where they are and they'd arrive pretty quick, but... There's a funny thing that would happen. My friend Catherine calls this Notflix, which is when you start, you're paying $7 a month or whatever, and you get these DVDs and you don't watch them. Well, that's crazy. Why am I not watching these? Well, I'll tell you one reason I wasn't. It's because of modality. There's Day Merlin and there's Night Merlin, right? There's way more Merlins than that, but I'll tell you, here's one to start with. Day Merlin is very alert and awake and having coffee and, and reading things about film. And you know what? There's so many new uh, moves from the new wave movement that I've never seen or haven't seen recently. And so I'm going to go get some, uh, I'm going to get some Truffaut. Um, I'm, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get, you know, Breathless, Alphaville. I'm going to get all of these movies and they're going to arrive. And then when they arrive, I'm going to sit and watch these. But here's the problem. Now Night, Mer- Night Merlin has these three DVDs with subtitles to read. And, and I just want to watch a reality show. Night Merlin is has very different motivation than Day Merlin. Do you, do you know what I mean? Mm. The the person over here who said this is what we're going to do. We're going to do these things. I mean, when you talk about not honoring these these two kind of modalities or or your priorities or whatever, that to me is a pretty clear example. Both those Merlins are me. They're both the same dude. But why is it that in this one case, I think I have this appetite for reading subtitles for six hours versus over here, I just want to watch girls have a pillow fight or whatever. Mm. And, and that's, I, I think we need to acknowledge that. And so when we say, you know, respect it or, uh, you know, give privilege to the, your better angels that come up with all these good ideas, I think you also have to be clear about when you're setting those things for yourself and you have you are well caffeinated and everything feels bright and you want to get it all down and you also need to be honest about the person who's going to have to implement that which is you and if you keep biting off more than you can chew or you keep in the case of a developer um i mean you don't have to be super into agile but you can look at yesterday's weather and you can say wow I've, if I look at all this stuff that this sort of morning morning john uh suggested my goodness this would require a level of productivity and flawless development that I've never had on my best day. Is that a realistic way to start? So those two or more modes that you have do have to have a conversation with each other and do have to be honest. But remember, write this on a card. Put put it on a piece of tape like Fellini. Put it over your camera. Remember, ask yourself, what is the best thing I could do right now? Wow. Okay. So I, um, okay, I love that. I think what I'm, the epiphany I'm I had as you were describing that is uh, the person you are in the morning, the person person you are at night. When I'm in my job job kind of thing, and I'm doing an estimate, so people come to me and say, um, "Hey, we need this feature added. Uh, how much is that going to? How long is it going to take? Whether or not use points or 
because um, you love agile um, for some reason, mm-hmm. or you um, you know would do it without do stories or whatever. Yeah, yeah. tell me a story. Uh, so anyhow, <laughs> I and you never mind. Don't get me started. Um, Casey and I went through that a while back. The point is, uh, what was the point? Oh yes, uh, the point was that. Uh, day you and night you. Oh, that's right. Thank you. Move, moving your cards across the board. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I, I've got this this problem where I need to think about well, what's realistic? And realistically, uh, people get sick. Uh, people have lots of distractions from BAU or business as usual activities. What do you want? Whatever people want to call it. Mm-hmm. So you look at an average person's week: forty hours a week, thirty-eight hours a week, whatever it is, standard job, job stuff, and. They're only going to be productive on your little project for at best maybe 40% of the time, let's say. Let's be like super really pessimistic. And so when I'm doing an estimate, I take I factor that in and I say, you know what, in it's not going to take like three months to do this. It's going to take six because I, I realistically understand that there are going to be so many distractions and so many other uh, interruptions, planned, unplanned things that realistically I'm not doing my job from a project management perspective if I'm not f- factoring that in. So the epiphany that I had when you were describing the whole day and night thing is that I don't do that when I'm evaluating my own tasks for me. <laughs> I only ever see mm-hmm. me as me. And maybe that's one of the things that I've been doing wrong all this time. Wow. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it's, 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 and it's, it's, it's so similar to me of like, you know, I, 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 when, when I'm talking to a friend who's having a, having a rough patch, uh, I pull out the most sort of stupid California notion that I really believe in, which is like, if, if you, uh, if, if you were the person uh, listening to about this problem, what would you tell somebody you care about to do? And it causes you to think so differently, right? Because if you have a good friend who came, came to you with the problem that you have, maybe it's a form of rubber ducking, but like when you, you, so you have this problem, but the problem is it's your problem and that makes it different and special. <laughs> How would you deal with it with another person? Also, as far as what you're describing here, I mean, I feel like part of, well, part of a huge amount of my interest in this stuff, uh, really blossomed at a time when I was doing freelance project development. And uh, I wasn't particularly good at it, uh, as I've talked about on Reconcilable Differences, but I did try hard and I did learn a few things. And something I don't think I would have put it in these words in uh, in whatever, 2003, but the way I would put it now is that there's so many reasons that we get uh, estimates wrong. I mean, and there's endless, you know, uh, sayings about this, whether you're talking about the mythical man month or whether you're talking about, you know, it takes nine months to make a baby regardless of how many women you put on the job or you look at the rational developer guy, I forget his name, but that book everybody loved in the 90s, um, any of those, any of those things. Um, there is one thing that I, it's difficult to talk about, it's difficult to explain, and it's almost impossible to apply. But, and it's something I think, you know, that uh, Syracuse and I have talked about is, when you make an estimate about something, you make an estimate of, let's say, a range. And you say that based on the factors that you've given to me, the task that you're talking about, uh, the way I would phrase it is, uh, let's put it this way. The task you've given me, it would be impossible for it to take less than an hour. And it would be pretty unlikely to take more than a day. And maybe you can, your boss wants a better estimate than that, and you can narrow it down further. I think the thing we forget to apply so much of the time is perhaps how, how how certain we are about the information that we got to make that estimate. Mm-hmm. And then how likely is it, the thing that's almost impossible to apply, how, you talked about the, the rest of the world and getting sick and stuff like that. Like, have we tempered that estimate? How do we temper that estimate with an idea of how likely something else is to intervene? 
which is like, as they say, like shooting a bullet with a bullet. But your estimates won't get good until you are certainly honest about it, um, and until you are candid about lots of factors. If you got a project from BizDev, they did not write a spec, and you know there's an acquisition coming, there's all kinds of stuff that are going to affect your answer to this. You don't want the servers to go down because you guessed wrong based on what the neck, necktie fella said. Mm. And so, you know, and, and then, of course, when you start applying to your, that to yourself, it gets it gets a lot more difficult. But so I just said a lot of words. How does that comport with your real world experience with those issues? Uh, I, I think that there's um, that definitely when you're doing estimates uh, to understand the all of the different inputs and, and understanding that, that those inputs may also have errors in them, which will then lead you to have errors in your estimates. Uh, I, I think that that's definitely a real thing. And uh, I I guess I'm sort of thinking about this and uh, trying to like circle back a little bit to the whole concept of like uh, understanding what the priority is and whether or not you you ask someone else says like, what would you tell that other person sort of putting yourself outside of yourself and being honest with what your the sort of person you're going to be when you're actually going to be executing this task mm-hmm. uh, and then of course being uh, being fair to yourself and sticking to that priority so these are all these are all really good things to that people can do to help to sort of like set that um, and to, to avoid the procrastination. It's almost like a, a lot, I guess, a life hack, I guess is sort of the expression people use, but it's, it's, it's just being fair and honest with yourself to try and stop yourself. Well, so it's, it's, it becomes part of your, I think it becomes part of your toolbox is maybe one way to put it. Sure. Is that there, the more experience you get in whatever you're doing, and I, I, I'm not a developer, thank God, but like I've been exposed to some developers and I think you, you learn, you, you learn, especially when you have to start managing people, projects, and yourself, you have to learn some tools uh, for getting at the soft skills of this stuff. Mm. And, you know, before I got into all this stuff and when I, boy, I was such a dingling, my, my dot-com job, uh, I was in 1999, I was hired as uh, what we used to call a web producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my job was to, I mean, what they really needed was production. They needed people to cut up buttons and stuff like that. I, but, uh, you know, I was doing design. Um, I was doing the very, very lightest of cold fusion development. But really, I was there to work with the engineers to make a website, right? And I, I was the, you know, there was somebody over here who did the high-level graphic you know, ID stuff and setting the sort of style book. And I was, I was kind of in the weeds and doing the stuff. And as I got a little further along, it became part of my job to try and improve how the site worked and looked, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward stuff. But I, in 1999, I got the best. I worked for two years with this guy named Richard, who was amazing. And I learned so much from him. He was my boss. He was the head of all the engineers, this huge team of Cold Fusion engineers. And I used to go in there. I was just the biggest douche at the time. I would just go in there and say, like, hey, I got this really great idea. He's like, "Uh, okay, what's your great idea? Because, like, we've got a lot of stuff to do. Um, Okay, so my great idea is that um, we're going to have, like, a my functionality. Like where you go in and you get to set these settings and then we'll, there's this thing called a cookie. Like look it up. There's going to be this thing. And when you do searches, all your stuff will be applied and go, okay. Um, so, uh, you know, just, you know, right up, right up even just a basic spec, but, you know, just go define the functionality. Mm. And I'd say, well, pff, Richard, <sighs> the functionality is that like you could say, like, are there certain areas that you do or do don't want to search for houses in this area? It was a real estate.com. Mm-hmm. You go, yeah, yeah, I understand, I understand, but just go define the functionality. 
So you see where this is going, right? Further and further through this, I did not realize that I – I did not realize the extent to which I was coming in with a large noun that I thought I understood that I did not realize consisted of hundreds of verbs that I did not understand. And by Richard constantly demanding that I define the functionality, he was, first of all, saving himself from having to guess what I meant. Bless his heart, the smart guy. But perhaps more importantly, in a way that he, I don't even know if he even realized. I don't think I'd earn enough respect from him to be helped at that point because I was such a dingling. But what he was really doing was making me turn that giant noun into to, to basically excavate all the verbs that were inside of that. And then what happens with this case? And when you do that and click there, what's that page look like? Because I need to know what that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that is something that then, that's part of why getting things done made so much sense to me um, and why I've started to understand more about procrastination. A lot of times we don't know what is a noun and what is a verb, and we certainly have not walked through how that noun turns into verbs. That's procrastination in so many ways. That's that's how to be a permanent dingling. Is that you are you are stuck in this state of not understanding why people won't accomplish your nouns when you haven't taken the time to figure out what verbs constitute that giant noun. It's an interesting way of putting it. I I sort of see a lot of sort of what what you just outlined there as being very much a case of I've um, I, I have a project to to execute, but I, I've, I haven't taken the time to break it down into all of the individual tasks that I need to figure out are precursors to me actually delivering on a final on a final product. And I can't, and if I don't break it down, then that actually could be a form of, of procrastination could lead to uh, essentially a non-result because I don't really understand everything that I need to do in order to deliver on that mm-hmm. and breaking it down. Exactly right. And this is, again, this is day one, David Allen, which mm. is retirement uh, is not, retire is not a verb. It's many, many, many. Uh, it's, 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 that's a big noun that, that is made up of many verbs. So, like, the, and you don't have to break down to the tiniest verb. That's another form of procrastination. Yeah. But you do need to figure out if I'm not getting closer to the big noun, what is the verb that I'm not doing? What is the verb that I need to do that gets me closer? Once you start thinking about your world in verbs instead of nouns, not instead of nouns, but alongside nouns, sure. nouns are outcomes. Verbs are are doing, you know, mm-hmm. in Spanish, hacer, to make and to do. To make and to do requires verbing instead of an extensive amount of nouning. And when you've got a whiteboard that's full of nouns, well, just understand every one of those nouns is going to have to turn into a lot of verbs, and that's the work that you need to accomplish. You've got to have a good noun, but that noun will then have to be backed up by a very sensible collection of verbs. Yeah, I mean, you've got to balance your verbs and your nouns and get that ratio right. And I think that the funny thing is... Um, uh, okay, I guess I'm, so. Looking at this uh, from the perspective of, so we've, we've we've touched on a bunch of really really good points, and I, I think that it's probably a good idea at this point to sort of like say, well, when you're stuck in uh, that mode, when you're stuck in that mode of, I, I'm going to break this down to um, the most ridiculously small uh, verb, no matter how small it is, because I just I feel like I just I need to keep going a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. What's the subtask for the task for the subtask, and that is essentially a form of procrastination. It's like identifying that and stopping yourself from doing it. Uh, it's like I, I kind of feel like when I'm stuck in that mode of of, of I'm overanalyzing uh, how much how much I need to break down a project, and and hence I'm no longer getting any value out of the exercise. 
feeling and, and I guess getting your head inside that fact and recognizing you're doing it, that, that can be really hard. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And this, so again, see also what's the best thing that I could do right now, right? Um, that, that's definitely part of it. But, um, there's a quote, uh, I, I learned about from Annie Lamott that's been attributed to, uh, E.L. Doctorow. It goes something like this. Um, you, you, you can only see as far as your headlights, but you can make the whole trip that way. Um, which I think is very wise. And so what is, what does that mean to me? What that means to me is, uh, yeah, I mean, at a, at a high level, uh, back in the day, you'd have a roadmap, right? And you'd say, mm. well, this is where I start and this is where I end. I don't magically appear in that other city. I have to get there. Well, how do I get there? I get in the car and I go on the road. Okay, is there gas in the car? <laughs> yes, there's gas in the car. Okay, to quote Steely Dan. But now I need to start driving. Well, oh my gosh, my headlights can't see all the way to Houston. How will I ever get there? Well, don't worry. The map is what helps you get to Houston right? The headlights are what helps you get out of the driveway. What is, what is, what, what does your, what do your headlights need to be today? What illumination do you need today to say, what's the next thing I need to do as David Allen would say, the next action or the blocking task perhaps in project management, right? Mm. The gateway, the milestone or whatever it is. What is the thing I need to do to get or keep this in motion? And, And so that's, to me, that's the value of something like getting things done. One of the many values is that it enables you to be able to undertake or, Except many projects in life and then always know what the next thing you need to do is. It's nice to know all of the things, but really what you're looking for for anything you're doing is the headlights that let you move forward. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, it, it's, it does make sense. makes perfect sense. And I, I've never heard that expression before. At least I don't recall hearing it before. It's, it's a very interesting way of looking at it. Uh, I, I sort of I, I love the concept. And, and this is one of the reasons why people in, uh, how should I say, I don't want to sound like a douchebag, but, you know, like upper management positions talk about mission and vision and mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. It's like, but and as a younger engineer, I'd look at that and I'd sort of like scoff and it's like, yeah, okay, whatever, roll eyes now. But actually that is the map that gets you where you're trying to get to at the day-to-day tasks or the distraction. Uh, so long as they're aligned with where you're going, then you have a chance of getting there. Because if you don't have a, a a plan and a map of how to get there, then you it's pretty much a uh, a one a, one in a million chance you'll actually get to where you want to get to because you don't mm-hmm. know where you're trying to get to. So to, to statistically, it's possible to get there. But I I, I I kind of I kind of agree, but it's to me it does it's so difficult for me to get away from this noun and verb thing. And so I, I've been in places or I've seen places where there are mission statements and that you talk about values and all of these things. And that, that, that is, and can be, as they say, well and good, mm. but those are nouns. Now the question becomes for anything that you want to do, I don't want to get us off, off the nominal topic of procrastination, but, um, in my travels as a, um, you know, sort of <laughs> kind of productivity interested person, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would more and more see, uh, what do they say in companies now in the enterprise, uh, <laughs> misalignments, right? Yeah. Where like we, we're saying this thing about this noun, but our verbs in the company are not supporting that. So we tell you that we want you to have work-life balance because that's part of our mission. It spins out of our mission and our values. But all you see is people being promoted for working all the time, right? The, the, the nominal douchebag who gets the good parking space and shows up late for everything and sends one-sentence emails with six months of work in it, wow, that guy keeps moving up the ladder in spite of all the things that we're saying about how this company works. So I'm not against a mission statement. I'm not against values for the love of God. No, not at all. As your company grows and your teams grow and the number of teams grow, though, it gets more and more difficult 
to not be seen as uh, being horribly hypocritical. When your company goes public, like you don't get to decide stuff based on just your values anymore. Now you've got shareholders, mm. right? So it's the, the the trouble is that like uh, this is n- not dissimilar to a concept in in my own pantheon that I call compost in a crisper, which is like if you buy like a bunch of really nice organic produce and put it in the refrigerator, but then you throw like a dead fish in there, like you're not going to want any of that produce regardless of how good it is. It doesn't take that much dishonesty to harm things like values and mission statement. That stuff can be super valuable. But you need to make sure that everybody's executing on this same idea and that you, for every, how can I put this, for every value that you want to put up on the board, show me 10 verbs on how that is being supported today in the yeah. room. Right? That's that's Now we're getting into management and stuff. But, but John, isn't that also true for us on the day-to-day, where if we put the big thing up on the board about what we say is important, but then all the verbs of that day are not aligned with getting that accomplished, it, I hope that doesn't feel good because you're not walking in the right direction. Yeah, that's actually an interesting uh, – that's a, a really good point. And it's an interesting way of, of, of strategizing. And maybe that's one, one way when you do have something you really need, need to get done is to put it up and, and so it's highly visible and then ask yourself that and challenge yourself and say, are the verbs I'm now executing actually contributing towards this end result? Because if they're not – then I, then I am most is, likely Is this real? Is this up to date? Yeah. Is this something I'm going to do? And if I'm going to do it, then why isn't it done? Well, it's not done because X. Now you have defined your job. Just leading on from that point then, uh, one of the things that I, I find really difficult is uh, is, is inter- interruptions and, and interruptions and how they then, they, they create an environment where procrastination can take hold or where it's, it's essentially... I had a plan, I had it up on the wall and then X, Y, Z happened. Mm-hmm. And and it frustrates me because sometimes when, when new tasks come in and they're unplanned, um, they are distractions. They may, they, they urgent tasks or rather the, the people that are, because sometimes they're delivered by people, right? It's not always just a text. Well, yeah, yeah. I suppose if you broke it down to the fundamental level. It, it, it does, it does happen. There, yeah. it, it, we are, we live in an, interruption and distraction rich environment for sure yeah and 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 a lot of those distractions uh, and interruptions are, 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 apart from natural disasters the vast majority are triggered by other people so someone wants to get you on 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 Skype or on messenger or or whatever it might mm-hmm. be someone sends you an email someone calls you on the phone you know it's like the level of di- of uh, of um, interrupt continues to 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 climb higher and higher uh, to to someone walking up into your face and simply saying can you please go straighten the uh, the paintings on the wall <laughs> and it's like well it's like well hmm I, I've got this project I'm trying to work on here I'm trying to get this done and I now have a series of tasks that appear to be urgent I don't have time. And this is the thing is the perception is to yourself, you would tell yourself, well, I don't have time to sit down and re-strategize and I need to, I don't have time to go and break down all the verbs and figure out what I need to execute now. Um, and so we do this, this, this reprioritization on the fly and that, that urgency is misinterpreted as the priority when it really isn't. 100%. This episode is brought to you by Tricks, makers of helpful apps for the Mac, whose apps do, you guessed it, Tricks. Their apps include Butler, Keymail, Leech, Desktop Curtain, TimeSync, Moom, Name Angler, Resolutionator, and Witch. There's a lot to talk about for every app they make, so we're just going to touch on some highlights for five of them, starting with TimeSync. Track, 
the time you spend in apps or activities on your Mac the simple and easy way with TimeSync. You can pull your apps by common activities, create custom trackers for non-Mac activities, and its simple but powerful reporting feature shows you exactly where your time went so you can plan better and stay focused. Resolutionator. So simple. A drop-down menu from the menu bar, and you can change the resolution of whatever display you like that's currently connected to your Mac. The best part, though, you can even set your resolution to fit more pixels than are actually there. It's very handy when you're stuck on your laptop and need more screen real estate. Which You should think about which as a supercharger for your command tab app switcher. If you've got three or four documents open at once in any one app, then Witch's beautifully simple pop-up quickly lets you pick exactly the one you're looking for. You can switch between tabs as well as apps and app windows with horizontal, vertical, or menu bar switching panels. With text search for switching, you can show the frontmost app in the menu bar icon with full touch bar support and much, much more. Name Mangler. Suppose you've got a whole bunch of files. You need to rename them quickly, efficiently, and large numbers of them. Name Mangler can help you. It's designed for staged renaming sequences and powerful rejects pattern matching. Recent additions include a group by feature when making a sequence and title case conversions can now keep their existing formatting or you can convert them to lowercase based on their word length. Very cool. The best part is it shows you the result as you go. And if you mess anything up, just revert back to where you started and try again. Moom makes it easy to move your windows to whatever screen positions you want, halves, corners, edges, fractions of the screen, and then you can even save and recall your favorite window arrangements with a special auto-arrange feature when you connect or disconnect an external display. It has full touch bar support and keyboard integration with Adobe's apps, and it also works perfectly on an iPad operating in sidecar mode too. It's the first app I load on a new Mac because it's just awesome. Now, that's just five of their great apps, and that's only half of them, and they all work with the latest version of macOS Catalina. All of these apps have free trials that you can download from manytricks or oneword.com slash pragmatic, and you can easily try them out before you buy them. They're all available from their website or through the Mac App Store. However, if you visit that URL, you can take advantage of a special discount off their very helpful apps exclusively for Engineered Network listeners. Simply use Pragmatic19, that's Pragmatic the word, and 19 the numbers in the discount code box in the shopping cart and you'll receive 25% off. Now, this offer is only available to Engineered Network listeners for a limited time, so take advantage of it while you can. Thank you to ManyTrix once again for sponsoring the Engineered Network. Can I um, be just the slightest bit salty for for just a moment? Go for it. Let me let me let me give you a uh, an anecdotal example. Think of something that you like doing more than anything in the world. For a lot of people, there's a thing we do in our bedroom with our partner over here. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter to me whether you feel that way or not. But whatever it is that you like doing more than anything in the world. Imagine you're doing that mm-hmm. and then ask yourself why you're so rarely interrupted, hopefully, or distracted while you're doing that thing, mm. right? So in the example that I gave, if you are involved in that particular sort of personal congress with somebody uh, whom you uh, love, um, do you find yourself suddenly drifting away because you remembered you wanted to check your texts or do you find yourself drifting away because you want to see if the Mandalorian is up yet, <laughs> Yeah. Do you follow the analogy? Yeah, yeah, I follow. Yeah, yeah. Why is it? Why is it that there are certain kinds of things where we have absolutely no problem with interruptions? And I that is admittedly the most extreme example I can give, but I think it's very valuable to look at this continuum. On one side of the continuum is you doing the thing that you love more than anything else in the world, and how how is it that you are? It's so difficult to get you off 
pardon my saying, of that thing that you love so much. Over here on the other end of the continuum is the thing that you despise or fear more than anything in the world. And why are you distracted from that? Why do you procrastinate about that? Well, I think the answer is, is somewhat clear. We really like doing the things we like, and we don't like doing the things that we don't like, and we will fight with the world as hard as we need to, to be uninterrupted in the things that we love and to avoid the things that we fear. And I think that continuum, I, I admit to you that that is a very extreme example, but whenever whenever people talk about, uh, especially distractions, because I do, I do think, I think interruptions qualify as a sort of distraction, but I don't think it's the same thing because you don't get distracted from the things that you love and you'll fight every interruption all the way. Whereas if you are confronting the thing that you most fear, you will find every reason in the world to quote unquote be distracted. And then your brain, because of the way we're wired, in my opinion, the way that we're wired will now find a reason for why you did what you did. This is a very, you know, sort of neuropsych idea, but like we our, our minds will do almost anything to persuade us that we've always been how we are for a good reason. And so that's that that's that's my jumping that's always my jumping off point with distractions and interruptions. If you cared maybe too much about that thing, you would not allow an interruption or a distraction. And you would not apologize for it. If you were in the emergency room, God forbid, you're in the emergency room with your kid, you're not going to find yourself, you know, drifting off to check prices on snow tires. Like, you're very focused on that. And if anybody calls you, you're going to say, uh, I'm going to have to get back to you. Or you might not even answer the phone. You might turn your phone all the way off or put it in VIP mode. Mm-hmm. Because here is this thing that has such clarity about what needs to be done. For somebody like me, boy, that puts my dopamine through the roof. I have 100% clarity and no guilt because that's the thing I need to do. But then there's so many more things in life at the other end of the continuum. And I say fear because I think that's a huge part of procrastination. Why haven't you done it? Something you're scared about something, right? So let's, we'll talk about interruptions all you want, but I, I think that's a great jumping off point to give you some clarity on why certain kinds of things your brain will find every reason in the world not to do, and it will tell you you're doing it for the right reasons. That's um, Yeah, you're right. It is an extreme example, but it does make the point. And uh, the, the point being that uh, how much we enjoy – uh, the either the end result of or the execute so the end result of the noun as you refer to it is the my project my the priority um, being the destination and all the verbs that lead up to that if they're verbs and things that I need to execute that I'm not going to enjoy then that's going to have a, a bearing on how how much uh, procrastination can eat away at my ability mm-hmm. to to deliver on it for sure and would it be helpful to focus on legitimately external interruptions and how to deal with those? Or do we want to talk about identifying the distractions that plague us? The ones that plague us, I think. The the thing is with the external distractions is that there are many ways you can manage that. And you can self-manage that. Just like you said, I'm going to put my phone in VIP mode. I'm going to turn it off completely mm-hmm. in some cases. I mean, that's... Yeah, the, the, the external interruptions, the reason I mention it here is that there is a, as I would like to say, perhaps um, there's a simple but not easy way to address that. The the simple but not easy way to address that is to ask yourself, well, is this legitimately, let's start with this, is this legitimately an external interruption? Such as someone banging on the door, uh, someone texting me over and over to ask if I heard their voicemail about the email they sent. Is it something external? Well, 
that's tough. But if you have, so we're working through the decision tree here. Mm-hmm. Let's, so we've just, we have identified there's something here that is a legitimate external interruption that is not getting controlled, and it's really it's harming your work. So I think that right there, if it is legitimate, you have to ask yourself: um, Is this uh, chronic or acute? By which I mean. Is this something where, like, I have a new friend who's discovered my phone number and they're just texting me too much? Is this something that is a novel thing? Is this something related to the nature of the projects that are due right now? Is this somebody who's bugging me for money because I owe them money, right? And that would go away if I address that. Or when I say chronic, is this an ongoing thing that has become part of what I do and I'm kind of hating it? Does that distinction make sense? Yeah, it does. It's um, it's a, yeah, it's a dimension I hadn't. I hadn't really thought about because you would address those so differently. Yeah, yeah. If it's something, let's be honest. I mean, like, if you really want to fix this, if there's some dingling that keeps us added you to a text group, mm. you could just leave the text group. You could leave the Slack channel. Or why can't why can't you? Well, because people. Okay. Well, that's still on you. You didn't ask for that. That's an inbox that has now been put into your lap. And if you don't want to accept it, you must be very muscular and fearless about kindly, perhaps, working your way out of whatever that new inbox is. you got to get out of there. you got to tell that person to stop. You've got to, like, turn on the uh, spam blocking, whatever it is. Mm. Who's going to do that for you? There is no nanny that will fix that acute problem. Let's go to the next level. Is this a chronic problem? Is this a, is this a I say problem, but you, you follow. Is this something that is a has become just part of what happens now? Is this the thing where the slack has gotten out of control for everybody probably, right? Is this something where I have a new boss who is micromanaging me more than I would like? That's going to be a tougher fix, but you do need to acknowledge that distinction, I think. Mm-hmm. you know. And again, re- remember now, we are in this very rarefied area right now of legitimate interruptions. We haven't even gotten started on quote-unquote distractions. That's, that's a whole other kiddie pool we, we'll get into. But that's the thing. If it's an acute thing, guess what? That's on you. You need to go stop that up. You need to get that thing out of your life. If it's a chronic problem, that's tougher because if that's team, if that's culture, if that's it's just a thing that's normal in your life now, that's going to take probably more effort and almost definitely more courage. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it, it, you could ask to speak to the manager or you could start addressing it. I don't know what the answer is, but you will. You need to know. If you've identified this is a legitimate interruption, it's chronic, well, how do you deal with that? So I, 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 it's impossible for me to answer that or solve that because it's really up to you to decide how that got chronic, mm-hmm. why you accepted that or that you accepted that. And then you need to address that on probably a person-to-person level. Uh, for sure. And on the chronic side, I, I, I definitely think that there are certain um, you know, chronic uh, interruption problems that um, because they are systemic, uh, either organizationally or um, your let, let's just say that your life has just gone down that path, and or you've got the, maybe you've just got the desk near the near the break room, and everybody yeah. talks to you when they go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah, that's that's a chronic interruption for sure. Uh, and sometimes the only way out of that is to quite literally get out of that, and you just you know you have to physically either in some case if it's a job related thing, you you may have to even if you can't 
resolve it through well peace, peaceful means i guess for the one of a better way of saying it um you sometimes sometimes it is is dram- drastic enough that you may consider a change of of employment if it's really that bad i if totally be- agree yeah. and now you're understanding that that, mm. that is a higher level thing to solve if you don't like the chair they move your chair or put it in an elevator <laughs> if you don't if you don't like the open office environment well but you need that gig yeah, I think you're so right. Now that goes on a different list about like what I want to be doing in the next six months to three years. Absolutely right. Yes, and uh, just on the acute um, on the acute example of interruptions, um, just just quickly, it's like I, I actually did have an example of that recently where uh, I was added to a group thread and my I, I woke up one morning and saw 319 messages on my on my iMessage and normally my because I, I got this thing with with uh, the red circles and the numbers in them right on Apple devices. It it's it's it it drives an anxiety. Like I look at this and I'm like, I have to open this. I have to see what the message is. And I mean, and that's that's obviously that's not a good thing necessarily. But uh, you oh know, my god, I hate it. I hate it. I turn it off on every single one mm-hmm. unless it's extremely valuable. I updated to thirteen point three the other day, and for reasons I absolutely cannot understand or solve. I've got the you know you know like when you need a system update and you get yep. the red one yeah. on the settings icon. Uh, yeah, I've had that for like. I think three days now, and it's making me insane because mm. I can't. It, usually, that means system update, yep. but it's stuck on there, and it's driving me irrationally crazy. Yeah, I, 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 I'll force quit the app. I'll reopen it. I'll force quit it again. I'll reboot the phone. Uh, I'll. I can't have it in my I life. Just, it needs to go. Away. I know it's terrible, and people don't get it. I once had a calendar program I downloaded. One of the worst, not one of the worst, but a terrible design decision. Um. So, you know, if you've got something like OmniFocus, an mm. app that I really like, mm-hmm. you look at it and you can choose what shows up on your badge, right? Yep. You could say like the number of like upcoming tasks or the number of due tasks or overdue tasks. Like you get to pick how that number is generated. Um, I once had a calendar program. Do you want to guess what the red badge represented? Um, upcoming appointments today or something? That's a good one. How mm. about uh, day of the month? <laughs> oh, right. Okay. That's weird. So, so as we record this today, it would say twelve, right? Whereas later in the month, it would say thirty on the red badge. <laughs> that's yeah, but that's mm, yeah. that's an incorrect use of of mm, They're terrible. Do, do you want to talk about distractions? <laughs> we should um, just to finish off on the interruptions. But as a, I wanted to just get to the point that I I was I was trying to make about it is that I mean I'm so sorry. Please cut that out. I apologize. You hadn't finished your story. No, no, no it's fine. It's all good. Look, um, I because just the red badge thing is just people don't understand it. They don't understand why I can't handle it. Anyhow, never mind. Um, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I'm recovering. I'm no, you're you you. This is a safe space, John. I'm with you. It drives me completely bananas. It's like there's a reason I called it Inbox Zero, which is like if I took the time to take care of this, I want that stuff all cleared out. Yeah, I I do not. I want a badge to be meaningful. Like I I yes. like to say, this is why I like my smoke alarm at the house, is it's never gone off. Yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> if my smoke alarm just started going off four times a day, that's a terrible alarm. Yeah, exactly. Like I need I need the red to mean something. I need it to be something that I have to act on now. I I trim all my notifications down to like what I'm gonna really need at a given time. Otherwise, I when I see people whose phone just beeps and they pick it up. I'm like, oh my God, it, what, what was that? I don't know, it beeped. So that could be Facebook Messenger or your kids in a ditch? Well, I guess. I'm with you. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm so with you. Oh, man. All right. Okay. I, um, 
Someone, someone else gets me. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, okay. So, circling back to, uh, seriously circling back now, uh, to the interruption part and the group messaging 300 and plus uh, unreads. And I, I felt really bad. I felt really bad. I had to punch out of that thread. And it was a thread that just blew up overnight. And it was... It was nothing bad. It was nothing. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't negative. It wasn't. There was nothing really wrong with it exactly. But from an interruption perspective, my brain couldn't process it, and I'm like, I just cannot wake up every morning with 300 unread messages on my iMessage for a group thread where most of the stuff in there, well, whilst it was innocuous, um, did not directly require my attention. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. so that's a a perfect example of you know, it's an acute problem, and I and I addressed it. And I know I hurt some feelings. I know I did. And I didn't want to do that. But I guess there was a threshold of self-preservation there where I was like, so from from my my psyche, I'm looking at this and thinking, well, um, I need to handle this um, because it is it's causing me an anxiety, which is <laughs> which is going to you know feed other issues. So I, I had to I had to do that, and it felt it was hard, and I didn't like it. But I, I did. I th- you did the, you did the difficult thing, but I mean, it's I I, I was talking to somebody actually this. I guess it's an interview that will eventually be in Wired uh, UK. I was talking to a really cool reporter there. But this is this is to me a big part of like, you know, what, what I came to call Inbox Zero is that we all must be very picky about understanding the inboxes we allow in our life. There's so many inboxes that I don't get a choice about. Like, you know, um, I don't, I don't love being automatically added to tons of threads and apps and groups and digests for my kids' school, but it's it's difficult for me to completely opt out of that. Now, yeah. on the other hand, uh, it sounds like you've heard the show I do with Dan called Back to Work. Mm-hmm. Um, an, an ongoing bit on there for years has been that, you know, we get really nice email from people, but we legitimately get, I'm going to say, at least half an order of magnitude of the mail that we get is people pitching people to be on our show. Yeah. Now, should that bother me? It shouldn't, but it's been going on for years, right? It's been going on for years and years and years and years. I finally, and, and I mean, I hope Dan eventually adds a form because I miss seeing that email. But I did what I always do. I went into Gmail and I created basically a filter that sends it to dev. No, like it's gone. Mm. It doesn't go to spam, but it's deleted. Any email that I get at my address for that podcast, the email is deleted. Do I feel great about that? I absolutely do not feel great about that. Mm. But that has become a low nutrition source of information in my life. I don't need empty calories. I don't need that in my inbox. You're not allowed to pour a gallon of corn syrup into my inbox. I never ask for that. This is for important things, right? Mm. So do I feel great about that? No, I do not. But I am so with you on that because you already, if you, you, you need to exercise a certain amount of muscularity Maybe it's privilege. I don't know. On a certain level, it's probably a little bit of privilege too. But you need to be muscular about what you're going to do and have and make in your life. And you, I think you need to be – you need to believe enough in the importance of your life to say when stuff is not allowed in. If you start from that, it doesn't make it easier, but it does make it less difficult. It makes it less super hard because you're saying, hey, I'm doing this for me. Like you're not allowed to bug me when I'm playing with my kid. When I'm on the floor playing with my kid – you're not allowed to do that. I'm making dinner. I can't do that. A lot of that is very just like low key. Like I just turn off notifications, right? Mm-hmm. I just showed my kid how to do this because she's on all these threads with her friends, but showed her how to do the, um, what is it? Stop, uh, turn off alerts, right? Yep. Yep. But I, no, I, I feel you. It's just that I think we, we begin with this principle that everyone's going to hate me if I do what I need to do in life. 
And um, I don't know. I think we should all just be more cool with each other about like what's allowed in. Absolutely. And I think it also comes down to respecting the fact that other people, you know, have they do have a life. And and when you when you sort of like drag them into threads and messages and so on and so forth, and it's it's like, well, are they? Do do you stop and think? Well, are they going to appreciate this interruption? Are they going to appreciate? Is this something that they're going to get value out of? Is this something that I actually need them to need to put in front of their face? You know, and, and because the technology... Well, and they may not know. They don't know what you're carrying today. No, can I, can I be honest? The first time that I got yelled at about what we're describing here, mm. 1993. <laughs> okay. Okay, so this is back This is back when I was on a Telnet connection to something called Freenet. Oh, yeah. Um, and using probably Pine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I used to do this thing. It might have been 95 because that's when my band was around. But, but the point is, it might have been on Eudora, but the point is that I used to do this thing where I would send an email to every single person that I had an email address for, even if they lived in another country. And I'd say, hey, my band's playing. You know, my band's playing at the Bacon Rays, playing at the Cow House, you know, 10 o'clock on Friday or whatever. Sure. And the, the, I mean, what was I thinking? It took a guy that I knew, a de- actually a not a developer, but a guy who worked in the knock at the university. He's like, um, hey, um, don't send me these anymore. And I was incredulous. I said, what do you mean don't send you this anymore? I was basically everybody's right-wing uncle for a minute. And he goes, hey, don't send, don't send me this anymore. And I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, what? <laughs> you can just throw it away if you don't want it. But I hope you come to the show. Yeah. He's like, no, no, just like don't include me on these you know, big threads with people. And I get enough email already. You know, I, there's so much email. And I was like, I, but can you imagine that? Merlin Man in 1995 or whatever doing that? Yeah. And the fact that I would then be so mad at that guy – that I got into a whole thing. And now I'm generating more email to argue with him about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a long time ago, but there is a person uh, every day <laughs> who hasn't been yelled at about that yet or isn't sensitive to that yet. For sure. And their, their life is Facebook and forwarding memes and they wouldn't for a second think that it's a problem to serially bug somebody because their whole life is serial bugging and they don't seem to mind it. Yeah, and I guess everyone's. I, I I like to think that everyone's on a on a learning curve and on on many aspects of of like life, including social interaction and what's acceptable and what's not, and putting yourself in other people's shoes. Like, are they going to appreciate these you know three hundred messages in the morning when they wake up? Yeah, it's like everyone is in a different place on that. And I sort of I used to get upset and annoyed, um, but it's something that as I've gotten older, I've realized that well. Uh, other people are further ahead on certain things and some of that is accelerated by the fact that uh you mentioned like privilege before it's like one of the one of the downsides of being well known at least from from in our sorts of circles is that um you will get a higher volume of people bugging you for different things or just saying hi even perfectly innocently fans what have you and uh, and that that could cause additional load on you that you're like, well, why are these people doing this? And it's like, well, they're not doing it to be difficult. They're, but but mm-hmm. it's like so, sometimes sometimes an email is just a way to say I, I like you. Yeah, right. It's not. It's it's. I've I've sent plenty of those emails. I've you know I am not immune to that at all. But I do. I also like your point though of like trying to be something we could all try to remember to do more often is just to remember that we don't know what everybody's trip is. We don't know what anybody is going through on a given day. I'm not saying it should make us timid, like, cause sometimes you need to deal with somebody on a day that it's not going to be great for either of you. That shouldn't, that shouldn't necessarily stop you. But like, I feel like just to go a little pop, pop the stack as John Syracuse says, I feel like one of the biggest problems that we run into, especially in the age that we're in is, um, 
it's true for all times, but it's so true now is um, trying to guess other people's motivation mm. and sometimes not being extremely generous about the motivation that we imagine that other people have. Um, and I, I think that's something that could help all of us a lot is, is, but it really works on just a personal level. Like, you know, I, in that interview with the person from Wired talking about, uh, you know, the, where, <laughs> where inbox zero is today, the really only practical stuff that I had for her was how to write better emails. The practical, I said to her, look, put this in that little box that's called tips and tricks. Do this. Write a great subject line that makes it clear what the person needs to do with your email. Send them an extremely short email that where there's white space under the note that you've written. And in the first sentence, make it clear what you want them to do and why. And if you're really cool and smart, make it end with a question that they can easily answer yes. Sure. Okay? That's if everybody did that more. Not all every email. You don't need to, I mean, sometimes you just want to say happy birthday, grandma. That's fine. She's probably real happy to get that email. But if you're dealing with other people and you want them to do stuff, you must be clear and you must be, you must make that the easiest email that they will receive today. Mm -hmm. Not just to look at and to process, but to do something about. Mm -hmm. Also, you could make it the easiest email to delete. Grow up. But you've got to, the way to improve email in particular. It's not to get more filters. I mean, you have to as a defensive mechanism. It's not to go, you know, get this new uh, douchebag email app that puts, you know, hidden uh, invisible GIFs, clear GIFs in it so they can track people. The key is for us all to write better. If we all write better email and change our expectations, everything has to get better. Mm -hmm. Will that happen? I don't know. I just can't think of another way than applying more empathy and care to what we do and just assuming that other people will hopefully expect the best out of people and have communications that support that. And when it doesn't work for you, cut it off. Mm, for sure. And um, taking a little bit of extra time when you're writing an email, for example, to have that sort of forethought and, and consideration um, goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not something that you always or often or may never get any positive feedback from. Like someone said, hey, man, you sent me a fantastic email. Um, it's not something that I <laughs> I don't think I've ever gotten that. Um, I've, I've had people come back to me and say, um, thanks for your two-page email, <laughs> uh, which I sort of like, uh, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter email. Yeah, or, or it used to be like for, for the longest time, if you were the kind of person who had decided to send shorter emails, people, people would get kind of upset. Yeah. And like and be like, wow, that was really, you seem like, are you mad at me? It's like, no, I'm not mad at you. I'm just, mm. I'm trying to be clear. You know, I think, I think one, there's so much that is great about the way we communicate today. You know, it can be used in terrible ways, but it's cool that we can keep up with our friends. I mean, that's become easier than ever, but I do feel like one possible kind of downside, I, I enjoy the texting and the emoji and I enjoy all of that. I'm not a sourpuss about that. I do think the thing to be careful of is ambiguity. Um, there, there, I think, to be unambiguous in how we communicate with each other is still valuable. And the reason I'm saying that here is if you do take that extra second to think about what you're writing, well, you know, let's start with, does this person need to get this email? Really? How would they feel about getting this? And how does, how will that be reflected in my subject line and the note that I write? And I don't mean to obsess about email, but it's something people ask about, right? So do they need to get this email from me? Is this the right person? Okay. And how do I express that in what I'm doing here? But also, have I made it unambiguous? And unambiguous in such a way that if they, you didn't know they were in the emergency room and they got that email two days later, how, will they be able to know that this is definitely something they don't need to do anything about? 
ask yourself how many emails you get every day that are that thoughtfully done. Yeah. Because it is valuable. You know, clarity, lack of ambiguity. Make it, as they say, we're misusing this word from law, but make it actionable. Mm -hmm. And if you're a project manager like I used to be, uh, try to always phrase it as an easy yes or an easy no, right? Can I, do you want me to book the conference room for Thursday at 10 a.m.? I can take care of that and get donuts. Cool? Yes. Done. Three-letter response. You've just made that person's day. Totally. And, and I always like to finish my emails on a um, setting an expectation for the response. And if it can be a simple yes or no, then just stating that definitely won't. Uh, <laughs> how long How yeah. long did it take me to book this with you, John? How long did it take? I Should we? Uh, I it took long. a very, very long time because I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. And you yeah. know what I did? I mm. kept snoozing your email to the next day for mm. probably a month. That's okay. It was, no, 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 it's not you, it's me. I'm the one who's broken inside, because what did I do? What are we talking about? We're here to talk about procrastination. Well, guess what? I procra- I'm very happy that we're doing this, but I procrastinated doing this because I wasn't mm. sure if I wanted to do it. I wasn't sure if I wanted to book it. You know, we had Halloween, and we had my kid's birthday, and then we had my birthday, and we're going to see the Warriors tonight, and there's never a good day to take care of your stuff. It's always manana. And you wrote a great email, and you were very kind about it, and mm. I still blew it. So, you know... Physician heal thyself. Well, I, I still think it's beautiful that we're here talking about procrastination and then organizing a time to talk about procrastination was susceptible to procrastination. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. just, that's, yes. It's, it's <laughs> I can beautiful. multitudes and they're all and terrible. It's poetic. Oh, God, no, they're not. It's fine. It's okay. It's fine. It's all good. We, we, we lead busy lives. It's fine. I think we've more or less talked about interruptions, although I'm sure we could keep going. Um, so, you you sort of characterized earlier the differences between distractions and, and interruptions. I guess I want to sort of tease a little bit more of that out. If that's so, what what are your thoughts on the dis, the differences? I, I'm well. I, I I first of all, I guess I should stipulate. I mean, you, folks don't have to agree with me on this. This is my this is my own opinion, but mm-hmm. this is my own uh, taking a cut at disambiguation because I think when we I think words mean things, and then words end up being how we govern our lives. And if you don't see a difference between a distraction and an interruption, you're changing a lot or you're, you're reshaping a lot of why you're how you are in a way that may be slightly dishonest to say the least, right? So when people say to me, oh my gosh, I have so many, I have so many um, distractions. Well, what the hell does that mean? Mm. What, what are you, what is so distracting for you? And is that the same thing as your interruptions? Right, like I'm, I'm glad we've made that distinction because I think it matters. So, what is a distraction? A distraction to me, it's certainly an interruption. I guess can be a kind of distraction, mm-hmm. but to me, a distraction is the kind of thing where it's caused by a lack of clarity, enthusiasm, um, commitment to the thing that you're working on right now. And there's about a million ways that we can address that. Maybe one of the first ways to address that is, why are you doing the thing that you're doing now? See also, is this the best thing I could do right now? Well, as you say, maybe if we look at that kind of like a Stephen Covey chart, like maybe this is a high, it could be low priority, but like high, how's this chart work? High um, urgency, right? Yes. If your boss is yelling at you, about you know the kind of donuts in the conference room. Well, you're going to deal with that because it's low priority to you, but it's urgent to him or her, right? So just deal, I guess, right? Why are you doing that thing right now? And is there a reason that your mind or your intentionality is finding an interest in something that's not the thing you're doing now? 
Now, most people won't do that. Most people will say, well, if I'm doing it, it must be important, right? Don't, yeah. don't we find a reason to say like, well, you know, I, because I'm the center of the entire universe, obviously what I'm doing needs to be done. It's these distractions that are bothering me. Well, as, a, as somebody who's very interested in the work of David Allen, I'm here to tell you, there's probably a pretty good chance there's another reason why you're finding yourself distracted. Sh- should you be doing this at all? Are you committed to doing this? Are there other tasks that should precede the thing that you're working on right now that, that, where you're finding all these distractions? Um, is there a different way that you might want to frame what you're working on? Is there a different if – you're, if you're stuck, if you're writing and you're feeling stuck and distracted, is there another piece that you could work on for a little while? Do you need to drink some water, take a walk, or get a short nap? You know, with a baby, there's like seven things you just keep doing over and over until they stop crying. You don't know which one worked. doesn't matter which one worked. You just keep doing the fixes until the baby is you, – you, you bundle it, you change the diaper, you give it food, you get water, you go to the bathroom, do all the things, right? So you're just – we're just all really big babies in a lot of ways. What's our swaddling going to be? <laughs> so, you know, it's – um the, 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 there's a, there are at least a couple levels. Like I said, there's a million levels, but two quickies are like, should I be doing this thing at all? And if it is something that is priority, high priority, as, as we like to say, if it's something that needs to be done, if it's something that's due today, mm. you know, what is it about these distractions that are such an attractive nuisance for me? What is it about these interruptions that I allow? Um, so do you want to maybe start there? Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, the the interesting thing is that there's distractions from the intended. Uh, so if you've got a bunch of verbs you're trying to execute in order to get to that uh, to to that completion state that you're trying to do driving for to to satisfy that noun, you you've got up on the wall, and you know it's not it's a, a distraction as an versus an interruption. Sort of the the differences between them are sort of thinking like well. Um, if it's not an external interruption or distraction, that it's something that we could distract ourselves with. That that concept of well, uh, it's not one of the verbs I need to be actioning, um, but it is still something that may need to be done. I don't want to reprioritize it. Um, the, the the insidious part is is when you find yourself creating those distractions and and recognizing yes. that you're creating those distractions. That's the part. Maybe you started shaving a yak in one way or another. Yeah. It's like what motivates us to do that to ourselves, to sabotage ourselves and, 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 and derail ourselves. And, that's, and recognizing that we're doing that to ourselves, that's the thing that I struggle with is getting a grip on, you know, and maybe, it's a, maybe it comes down to a question of discipline and saying, well, mm-hmm. you know, the verbs are up, the nouns on the wall, the verbs have been described. Um, they're, they're, I'm not going to do, distract myself and I'm going to be true to myself and I'm just going to do what is up there and that is it. Um, and and that is the, maybe that is the best and maybe that is the only way to really, to manage it is is, is to be that, I don't know, it's, it's difficult. It's very, what you're describing though, it's a very noble way to look at it. Um, if you'll permit, I would like to propose a somewhat radical thought technology mm-hmm. um, for approaching this. So I'm, I'm not saying this is true. I'm not saying this is you or me or anybody else. But for the sake of argument, if you find yourself distracted, especially on a regular basis, and whether it's the same thing or different things or whatever it is, but you have some kind of niggling feeling that you're not achieving the focus that you need to accomplish the things you would like to do. Let me propose a thought technology that's either going to seem impossible or obvious. Is it possible that there's something you are very, very scared about right now? In my experience, 
a lot of procrastination. When you really get down to it, a lot of it's bad planning or bad thinking, right? Like I haven't thought through my tasks. I don't know the phone number, so I can't call. Sure. A huge amount of procrastination is based in some kind of fear. And it's a fear that we don't want to look at, let alone confront. So what do we talk about when we talk about writer's block? Mm -hmm. Well, writer's block. What is writer's block? Well, people who write, write. So just go write. Well, I can't write because I have writer's block. Why do you have writer's block? You may have writer's block because you're terrified. You're worried that what you're doing sucks. You're, you're, you don't want to confront the idea that you'll never make something good again. You don't want to confront the idea that you'll never finish this. All those things. That's a pretty straightforward one. Couldn't we agree that that's fear? There's other kinds of fear, which is like fear of being bored, fear of a task being difficult, fear of the way that I'll be judged if this thing doesn't turn out great. I just want to toss that out to you, John, is that for so many of us, if we really keep digging on procrastination, you know, let's go back to that continuum. There's a thing we do in our bedroom with our partner over here at this far end that we have very little fear of doing, perhaps, whatever your favorite mm. thing is. And then you have the stuff over here you just can't even stand to think about. And and again, I, I'm not a neuros, neuroscientist, but I, I do believe that our brains will work extremely hard to find a way to keep us away from the things that we fear. And and I think if we if we just I'm just tossing this out, but yeah. if we were to accept this model, then a solution becomes what is the thing that I'm afraid of? If I if I'm being honest, if if, if we I'm gonna roll with this Merlin's crazy thought technology about procrastination, even if it's something really stupid, it could you're that really stupid, tiny, dumb task that's super high priority easiest thing in the world to do as people like to say mm. is there a chance that there's a little bit of fear about something somewhere oh my god all i have to do is text this person but i just realized why i haven't done it and it's that i still haven't responded to their invitation to the christmas party that i super don't want to go to so is it really about this task no it's about the fear that they're going to bring up the invitation yeah. And I don't know what to say. And it's about the fear that I have for telling them that I just hate their parties. <laughs> so I'll throw to you here. What do you, is there a thought technology that works for saying a model? Uh, maybe it's kind of rubber ducking again, mm. but isn't, is it possible that we can look at fear as the cause of whatever is keeping us from doing the thing we know we need to do? It's definitely an angle that uh, I hadn't sort of pull the thread down to that to, to to that that far i think and it's 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 something that uh the thing with fear you mentioned is like um it's not fear, fear isn't rational and it's like it, it may be the silliest thing and, uh, and the the notion of something being silly or not is is highly subjective and obviously down to the individual and you know what what some one person finds uh silly uh, or something is 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 deadly serious to to the next person, and you can't you can't sort of like uh, you can't judge that, you can't predict that. It's very very specific to you as an individual, and um, and fear is 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 much the same. What what scares one person mm-hmm. will not scare another. It's like uh, your to, you know, to your example, the other person will think it's silly. Why are you scared of spiders? There's no spiders here. Yeah, exactly. Why are you scared of a of a party invitation? It's like, well, what what's wrong with being in a crowded room with thirty other people? And I'm like, well, what what's right with that? But but also but also then like let's go back to that neurology, which is that if we kind of accept we're following this thought technology. But remember, there's there's one thing above perhaps all else that your brain you know your brain is trying to your mind your you know it's trying to keep you from dying. It's trying to keep the species going. All those kinds of things. But if you look at what causes a lot of our behavior 
one way or another, in my opinion, it comes down to integrity. So we use integrity today to be this thing about you know values and character, right? Mm. But I, I, as somebody who has an aging body, I look at integrity in a different way. So integrity is is wholeness. It's something that has stayed committed to like what it's here for, right? Your arm works like an arm because you have bodily integrity. But we also have like a kind of uh, emotional or psychic integrity. And that's the thing where our, our, I really do feel like our brain will do anything to justify what we've done in the past. Mm. A lot of research about this, right? It'll, we'll try to justify what we've done in the past and, and to make sense of what we're thinking about doing right now. So when it comes time for you to send that text to the person whose party you don't want to go to, is it possible that you will suddenly you find yourself angry? Mm. That's weird. Why am I angry? Well, I'm angry because this person is so difficult to work with. Is that really the reason? Well, your brain has convinced you that that's the reason. Is it, is it important for you to send that text? Well, it's important, but I'm not sending it because I have my reasons. I, I have my reasons. Like, I don't want to admit that I'm fearful. I don't want to, again, what if I owe them money? Like, what if I, what if I never sent a thank you note? Like, whatever it is, your, your integrity as a whole functioning good human does not want to have even the tiniest crack in it. So when we talk about courage, what, you know, as they say, courage is not doing things that, that you know, you're scared. It's like, courage is not uh, a matter of having no fear. Courage is a matter of having fear and doing it despite that, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I just find that extremely useful. Now, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something much more quotidian. Maybe it's just that your phone's about to die. Maybe it is that you really do need to sharpen these pencils. Maybe it really is that you just want to finish this one level on your PlayStation game. But if you start applying that thought technology of saying, is there a chance that I'm scared of something here? And like, what is that thing? Is that a thing I should be scared of? Is it a thing I wish I weren't scared of? How do I address that? If you start addressing what you're scared of, you may find that you procrastinate a lot less. I think that's, um, that's a fantastic point. And honestly, um, I'm going uh, to reframe a couple of things that I'm struggling to get through and just try and dig down to see if there is something else beneath that. that Good um, for you. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. So I... I think it's actually a really probably a good point to sort of um, to wrap up on, actually. If you want to talk more about this, you can reach me on the Fediverse at chigi at engineered.space and you can find pragmatic at engineered.network or you can follow engineered underscore net on Twitter to see show-specific announcements. If you're enjoying Pragmatic and you want to support the show, you can uh, via Patreon at patreon.com slash John Chigi or one word. Uh, with a thank you to all of our patrons and a special thank you to our silver producers, Carsten Hansen, John Whitlow, Joseph Antonio and Kevin Koch. And an extra special thank you to our gold producer known only as R. Uh, patron rewards uh, include a named thank you on the website, a named thank you at the end of episodes, access to raw detailed show notes as well as ad-free high quality releases of every episode. So if you'd like to contribute something, anything at all, there's lots of great rewards and beyond that it's all really, really appreciated. Of course, there's lots of other ways you could help like favoriting the episode in your podcast player app, sharing the episode or the show with your friends or via social. Uh, some podcast players even let you share audio clips of episodes. So if you've got a favorite segment, feel free to share that too. Uh, all these things can help others discover the show and uh, can make a huge difference. I'd personally like to thank ManyTricks for sponsoring the Engineered Network. If you're looking for some Mac software that can do many tricks, remember, specifically visit this URL, manytricks, all one word, dot com slash pragmatic for more information about their amazingly useful apps. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with uh, Merlin, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you, mate? Uh, well, you can uh, check me out on Hot Dogs Ladies on Twitter. And I very rarely talk about this stuff anymore. I mostly do um, podcasts. So I would say 
if for some reason you want to hear more of me, I can't even imagine. Let's put it this way. If you want to hear some John Syracuse, um, you can check out a podcast I do called Reconcilable Differences with John. John. John is the way that I was introduced to you through the famous RSI episode. You can go to relay.fm slash RD and find uh, episodes of John Syracuse and me trying to figure each other out. Fantastic. Yep. Highly recommend. Um, I listen to every episode and I love it. So definitely check that out. And um, yeah, and I know you just said before that you don't talk about this stuff as much anymore. I'm very grateful that you um, took the time out to talk to me about it today. And I actually, um, uh, I've come out of this with uh, a lot to think about. So thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. And I, I want to give you a thank you and an apology. I, I thank you for having me on because it's it's nice to talk about this stuff two or three times a year, but also an apology <laughs> that I talk so much because I don't really want to talk about it anymore. And when I get the chance, I really appreciate it. I hope it was useful to your listeners, John. Thank you for having me on. Anytime. It's all good. We went the whole the whole talking thing. It's like everyone. I, I when we get on a roll, we get on a roll, and that's okay. It's all good. It's just all the latency sucks. It's, it's like it's mm. it's nice to be the remote guy, except when it's not that fun to be the remote guy. But mm. I do appreciate you having me on. It was really fun to do.